Hi, and welcome to the Lighthouse Church Podcast, where we're diving deeper into God's Word and doing our best to help encourage you in your walk with God. Thanks for joining us. All right, so let's let's move into some wise men today okay. this this verse for this rest of this um tell, talk, let's talk about it well, that, the segue I think it's for a, that captivating the yeah. segue for that would be this from joseph yeah when joseph had to leave for the census yes okay and then there obviously in a dream mm-hmm. directed to, hey you got to flee into egypt mm-hmm. okay all right for three or four months here okay so all that's taking place mm-hmm. joseph did not have a work permit you had to have a work permit to do his kind of job, just like we have to have a business license right here. Mm-hmm. Joseph didn't have a work permit for Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a work permit for Egypt. Mm-hmm. How was he going to supply? Sure, he may have had a little bit of money in his cash, mm-hmm. but hey, he already had a several-day journey to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, He didn't end up spending any money on the inn, so he saved some money there. Right. Yeah. He's, he's got a little cash. Hey, I, I had this earmark for an inn, but you know, I saved that, but that's not enough to last me months in Egypt. How was he going to do it? Yeah. God sent the answer in exceedingly abundantly above all he could ever ask or think. Right. In that of the wise men. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. that's, yeah. And uh, and we'll get to that. And we, we, I don't know if you're ready to get into the wise men. Let's or we do have it. To, we let's, have to. Let's okay. go. Let's go. <laughs> Obviously, we see the report of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. <clears throat> now, these wise men referred to as Magi. Mm-hmm. They were a cast of astronomers who were... Their heritage linked back to Daniel. It's often, often, all, all, as a lot of theologians believe that Daniel at one point was the head of the wise men, and um, therefore they have a heritage coming down. Mm-hmm. So they were very wise. They looked up into the sky. I could see them as being modern day, uh, not uh, then day, then modern day, you know, meteorologists. Mm-hmm. They could probably predict um, farming seasons, when to plant, that kind of stuff. They mm-hmm. were wise. People relied on them for wisdom. Mm-hmm. But amongst all the other things they were looking for, cloud cover, cloud movement, you know, uh, sunshine, rain in the forecast, all that kind of stuff, they were looking for a special star because mm-hmm. they knew Micah 5-2. Mm-hmm. They knew Numbers twenty four seventeen. They knew that a scepter is going to rise in this direction. Mm-hmm. So they were anxious waiting on it all their life. Mm-hmm. And it says that in uh, Matthew 2, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means after Jesus was born. Mm-hmm. So the wise men were not at the manger. Right. So despite your cute little nativity scenes, despite, despite your Christmas plays that are cute, <laughs> right. as any Christmas play I do at school is not going to have the wise men yeah. at the manger scene. That ain't happening. But they'll be all over churches, all over the place. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, mm-hmm. behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, they were saying, they were saying, and that word saying, that the verb tense means they were saying and saying and saying. Mm-hmm. So who knows how long they were there asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to get the image that they walked into town, asked one question, and some tattletale ran to Herod. Yeah. Chances are they were asking around. Yeah. Every marketplace, the temple, the synagogue. Yeah. They went to every public place they could probably think of and may have been for days. Yeah. Who knows how long? Yeah. And they said, they kept saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Yeah. Well, they saw his star in the east and they had to travel. It was probably a nine month journey for them mm-hmm. from where you calculate the distance and everything like that. Stars don't typically just suddenly appear in the west. You know, just like the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, they would probably move from east to west. But to suddenly 
from the east, see it appear in the west? Mm -hmm. That seemed a little odd to them, which maybe is what attracted them. Could this be it? Right. This is not your typical star from its position where it first appeared. Yeah. It first appeared. And does that uh, land in Judea? Is, is that direction it is? Okay. So mm -hmm. therefore they arrive in Jerusalem and they're asking, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Because we've come for a reason. Mm -hmm. We've come to worship him. Mm -hmm. Which, that's the reason we all should be coming mm -hmm. to church, is to worship Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not for any other motivation, but to worship. And it says here, and then when Herod heard the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem was with him. Mm -hmm. Now, why would Herod be troubled? <laughs> well, your natural inclination is to think that, well, he's troubled because they're asking, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Well, Herod was not a Jew. Yeah. He was not born a Jew. He was not a rightful heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. He was like, he was an Edomite for one. And this was my understanding. He's like the 35th year of his reign. He was a political tyrant mm -hmm. who had manipulated, if I may say it, <laughs> manipulated ballots, yeah. manipulated votes, yeah. pulled whatever strings in the capital with Caesar. He knew how to manipulate and work his way up the political chain. It's been going on for years. Exactly. It's been going on. And he had gotten the reign yeah. and he had held on to it for 35 years. Yeah. So he was obviously didn't want to, and he was such a paranoid tyrant, church history tells us, mm -hmm. that it records early Christian writers say that anything that was a threat to his throne, if he got wind that anybody, there was an uprising, that anybody was mounting any opposition, even if it was all in his head, he did away with it. Mm -hmm. And we understand that there were a wife, one of his wives was killed, a brother-in-law was killed, and his three oldest sons, because he got some idea that somebody reported to him that, hey, maybe they were. Maybe they were thinking, you know, we need to abdicate this throne and take over. Mm -hmm. But he did away with it. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding that whenever he took office, he totally had the Sanhedrin slaughtered. Mm. Wow. He did away with the high priest. And he appointed his own Sanhedrin and installed his own high priest, Imagine which that. tells you what? <laughs> they were his, he was, they were his puppets. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how he kept his throne. Yeah. Well, there's no other way. He, that, no really, other way. it's almost common sense. He'd exactly. About to. It had to be Because somebody maneuver. would have come along and said, hey, this guy's mm -hmm. an idiot. Well, of all people who could do it, these wise men were. Yeah. Because these wise men were kings themselves. Yeah. And because of their heritage, because of their ancestry, because of their line, because of their wealth, mainly, you know, because of their status and everything, this group, this cast of wise men had such power that they were more powerful than Herod. Yeah. They could install a king and they could depose a king. With All they had to do is get together and say, hey, this guy right here, look what he's doing to these people. He's got to go. Yeah. And Herod knew that. Yeah. So Herod wasn't initially, the part about the baby concerned him, but the fact that the wise men were in town, yeah. that's the first thing that caught his attention. Yeah. So therefore he was greatly troubled. So all Jerusalem was too because they knew he'd gone on killing sprees before. Yeah. They knew that any kind of threat to his throne, he was going to do away with. Yeah. They had heard it. Even if they were 10, 15, 20 years old, they had heard about from their daddy and granddaddy what this guy did. Mm -hmm. So everybody's troubled. So that's the buzz. You think everybody's got a big buzz going on because of COVID? Mm -hmm. There's a big buzz because Herod could say, hey, anybody who's of a certain race, you know, he could do a genocide. He could do anything like that. Yeah. And he could do it by age. 
He could do it by race. He could do it by uh, religious belief. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything that our constitution protects us from now. Mm-hmm. He had no such constitution. Right. He could have done it. So therefore, Jerusalem was troubled. And it says here, and, uh, and gathering together all the chief priests and scribes, which no doubt were probably yes men to him too. Right, yeah. And it says, and he said, he began to inquire. And he said, okay, guys, I'm being serious here. Okay. Your life ain't in danger. I just need to know something. I'm hearing that the king was supposed to be born. A baby. What do you know from the scriptures? So they pull out in Micah 5, 2, and they read straight from the prophet Micah. Mm-hmm. And it says in, in Bethlehem and everything. So therefore, he secretly calls for these magi. We always say magi, but it's my understanding. It's magi, as in M-A-Y-J-I. You know, we spell it M-A-G-I, but it's pronounced like magi. And it says, and he secretly called them and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. He's calculating. When did you first see this thing? You were nine months away. How long did it take you to pack up and load up this caravan? Because mm-hmm. see, when the, the wise men showed up, it wasn't just three little wise men. Mm-hmm. It's commonly thought that because of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, to begin with, there were more gifts than that, which we'll get to. But there were probably more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe half a dozen, maybe mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a, a group of them mm-hmm. that had such power collectively mm-hmm. that they could depose him. So mm-hmm. it was probably more than three. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but they had bodyguards. They had a huge caravan. There's no doubt where that caravan had to be over 100 people. Because you had ladies along that probably prepared their meals. Mm-hmm. You had those who did their laundry and all that kind of stuff. I mean, these kings, they didn't do anything for themselves. Everybody waited on them hand and foot. Mm-hmm. So you had to have people along with you for that long of a journey that when you broke, you know, set up camp, broke camp, that, hey, there were people there to do all the legwork for you. Mm-hmm. So you can sit on a rock and catch your breath and, and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Look up into the sky because everybody else is doing it. So there was a group of people here. So no doubt there was a buzz. And he was trying to ascertain the pinpoint the time. And, of course, later we knew that when they calculate the time they got there, the time it took them to six-mile journey to Bethlehem from there, when they calculated how long it was, and he never heard back from them, that later on we know that he rounded up and said, okay, I'm just rounding up to two years of age, and we just go kill all male children two years of age and younger. (laughs) Which it really wasn't as many as you might think. You know, we automatically think it was some... Millions of people. It probably wasn't that many when you consider how many people yeah. were in the town that had a child that age. Yeah. But nonetheless, the killing of one child is is, is yeah, bad. Yeah. Okay. So it says here, and he sent them, and he said to Bethlehem, he said to he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, "Go and make careful search for the child, and when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him too." Well, of course, that was a a crock, you know. Yeah. That was a ploy. We already know that. Yeah. All right. Now, and here's the thing that gets me. It says, having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east reappeared. Right. So if it reappeared, that tells me that the light went off. Right. A cloud passed in front of it. Yeah. Something happened, and why did the star disappear before their eyes? It's because they took an unnecessary detour in Jerusalem. Romans 1.22 says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Yeah. Now, it's talking about present culture mm-hmm. where you know, society and culture deviates into homosexuality and, and they exchange you know, the God-intended image for the image of 
this and that, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's talking about in Romans chapter one is the liberal chapter in the Bible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but this is what happened with them. Their natural intellect said, if he's born king of the Jews, it has to be in the capital city. Because mm-hmm. it just makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So their natural, what made sense to them, which to me is them eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. We have a, there's always two trees in our garden. Mm-hmm. There's a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is represented by Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father, mm-hmm. divine direction, divine inspiration. Mm-hmm. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says, this looks like God, this sounds like God, therefore this must be God. Mm-hmm. That's religion. Mm-hmm. So they religiously relied upon their own wisdom mm-hmm. and said, logically, and we're smart, we're intelligent. After all, we're wise men. Mm-hmm. We're the wisest of all the regions. So what comes in our head must be, must, and so they being kings themselves, they used it as it was with any king. What any, what any king popped in their head and said became law. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, let's make a detour. And God says, okay, I'll take that divine inspiration. To me, the star represented Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I, I, you, you want to go with your wisdom? Mm-hmm. Take your little detour. Mm-hmm. They stir up a hornet's nest. They yeah. ended up with, with um, male children getting slaughtered. Yeah. They get Herod in a, in a, all riled up. They get the Jerusalem all riled up. Yeah. They cause such panic and fear that would make COVID seem like a, a splinter in the finger mm-hmm. compared to the fear that was just running rampant yeah. in that city. Can you imagine when people... We're trying to buy up toilet paper and bottled water. Yeah. Okay. These people were probably leaving town to fear for their life. Yeah. Is he going on a rampage? And the wise men are responsible for this. Yeah. But once they got back on the right track, mm-hmm. which speaks of us in our life, once we say, okay, I made a detour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can, I, I know where I made a detour in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, God calls me into ministry. I go into go to Bible college. I get out. I become an associate pastor, everything. And then a business opportunity came for me, and I took it. And that was my detour in Jerusalem because at the time, the kids were little. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, logically, this is God blessing me with this opportunity to make plenty of money to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. It was a detour I never should have taken. Mm-hmm. Never should have taken. It was my Jerusalem detour. Yeah. But when God showed me, through all the heartache and headaches and everything that I went through where mm-hmm. things just weren't working out. When I repented, which is what we have to do, yeah. and I got back on the path that I was on to start with, yeah. then lo, that star reappeared for me. Mm. And it says when the star appeared, it says which they had seen in East, it went on before them and stood over where the child would with pinpoint GPS accuracy. I know, right? <laughs> now, what do you notice? What did they say when they got in Jerusalem? They had to ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? That's they so, didn't have to ask when they get to Bethlehem. That's good, yeah. There was no need to ask because the Holy Spirit mind. gave them certainty. Right. Don't you think, though, at some point, which... Okay, and now I'm trying to. Okay, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. I'm like you. I've went the wrong way before, mm-hmm. because it made sense, right? You know, in my mind, but mm-hmm. it's never that way. Don't you wonder? I mean, you know, they're standing there, all these together. That you would thought that one of them would have been like, hmm, 
I don't see the star anymore. Right. <laughs> or, well, I, and I, I, mean, I, you I know? picture that too. Yeah. I, I, exactly. In fact, I could tell you, we're doing a Christmas play in school, and that's one of our wise men's lines. Really? <laughs> hey, has anybody seen the star lately? <laughs> yeah. Another one says, well, it's probably behind a cloud somewhere. Yeah. You know? And then, of course, it says when they reappear, they rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Yeah. That is the joy of any person who suddenly realizes, I took a detour. Yeah. I left you, Holy Spirit. You gave me divine guidance. You gave me a plan. You gave me a purpose. You gave me direction. Mm -hmm. And I abandoned you and let my natural intellect take me into what I thought was the right direction. Mm -hmm. And it stirred up a hornet's nest. It put me in financial trouble. It put me in, for some people, it may be marital trouble. For some people, it may be financial trouble. For some people, it may be trouble with relationships with your kids. Mm -hmm. It may be trouble with your career. Whatever it is, mm -hmm. it puts you in a bind. Yeah. But when you repent and say, I'm back on the right track now, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that star, mm -hmm. that confirmation that we got from the East mm -hmm. suddenly reappears, oh, the joy. Yeah. Oh, the joy. I had, a I had a season of my life, and, and this is a little off subject, but it's, I mean, hopefully it's relevant for somebody that's listening, where we moved from Virginia to Tennessee, mm -hmm. and it was to take a job. Um, for me, it was uh, at the time whenever we started the move, and this has been many years ago, so I was making like 30000 a year doing what I was doing with the company car and stuff like that. But we're talking like, we're talking 20 years ago, you know, and uh, this job offered me the same exact type of work for $40,000 a year in a company car. Benefits are better. Had to move over to Tennessee, though. I was like, okay, this is good. But unfortunately, there was this thing going on in my life, spirit, looking back on it. I didn't mm -hmm. know it at the time. Yep. Where I was not where I needed to be. Not that I was bad. I just wasn't where I needed to be. As I, I think, uh, I don't know, I can go into a lot of things there. But So we moved to Tennessee for a few years, and I said, this is my chance to not be a preacher to not be a church leader, to just focus on a career and provide for my family. And uh, I did that. I didn't tell anybody. It's not like I went around speaking bad. We plugged into church and we did our thing, but nobody in church knew. And uh, it was it was not a good season. Right. you know. I mean, God took care of us. There was lots of joy in it. But looking back on it, and I was chasing this position with this company as a district manager so instead of 40 some thousand dollars a year it was going to be 70 thousand dollars a year and you know not have to work as hard things like that be the boss man have a title and that was what i was shooting for because i grew up so poor that i thought if i can do that i'll be somebody right. i'll be i'll have arrived and so that season of my life was my left turn into jerusalem right because it we made, all had them. Yeah, because it made sense. Absolutely. But then every time I would come close to well, what I thought was close to that promotion, something would happen to delay it. The carrot would be moved further out, further out. And finally, I got frustrated. And uh, I said, well, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. And so I took a job making a lot less money and um, uh, started as a part-time pastor of a church both things together were the same amount of income that I was making at that one job. And everybody said I was a nut job and I was crazy. But when I did that, I was like a man yep. that had been freed. And uh, 
I was like, gosh, oh. So that was my season. And I, I mean, if anybody's listened to this, you know, that you have those. Yeah, that have that season, like you mentioned, yep. that it's okay. Yep. It's all right. But it, there is this overwhelming joy. When you get back out on the right path and you look up and you say, there's God. And he was with me over there, right. but now I, I have clarity. I can see. You, you take of someone who, uh, they're a believer, and they, and they remember the joy, the joy of their salvation. Yeah. They remember what it felt like when they first got saved. Yeah. When they first surrendered their life to Jesus. They remembered the joy they had. Yeah. And then something came up. Mm-hmm. And they did not make the right choice. They made a left turn into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they pursued, just as me, you and I both have. Yeah. And then during that time of trouble. Yeah, they're praying, mm-hmm. God get me out of this. But in the back of my mind, they're remembering, I remember the days when I had that star. Mm-hmm. And that star representing Holy Spirit means I, I had that presence. Mm-hmm. I had that peace. I had that joy. But right now you don't sense the peace and you don't sense the joy. Right. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. you were in the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. yeah. And happiness was your intellectual decision rather than having the spiritual, priceless spiritual commodity called joy. Joy. That was so powerful that it was the priceless commodity that God gave to Jesus that said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so therefore, joy is the reward Mm. for obedience. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a priceless commodity. It's well worth the pursuit of following the star. Yeah, because joy is not because circumstantial. Joy, joy is not, yeah, you know, happiness is relative to our circumstances. Yeah, totally. Joy is not. Yeah. And that's the same way it was with Mary. See, you're indwelt by God and thereby fully satisfied. Yeah. So you're going to have a joy just because he's living in you. Mm-hmm. You're going to be talked about, ridiculed, mocked. People will see you in the marketplace and turn to go the other way. They will turn their nose up at you. You will hear them whispering. Reports will come to you from Elizabeth and other people what they're saying about you. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You've got the joy on the inside of you because you're indwelt by God and thereby fully satisfied. And that's why Elizabeth called her blessed. Wow, that's good. That's you good. see what I'm saying? That's great. So we, we asked the people listening in, are you blessed or are you happy? Yeah. Because there's a big difference. There is. Happiness is relative to your circumstances. Yeah. If your circumstances are favorable, you're happy. Yeah. But the tide can simply turn just as easy as turning on a light switch. Yeah, and of course you see all kinds yeah. of people that have plenty of money, fame. But they're miserable. And they're miserable. Because none because of those Because money things. can't buy it. Mm-mm. Money no. can't buy joy. No. 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 It, can't, it can make you happy for a while. Yeah. But just like there's pleasure in sin for a season, there's pleasure in in things you buy for a season. Absolutely. Yep. It, it could be all kinds of things. Well, I didn't mean to get you sidetracked. That's okay. I just saw it. was. Uh, it's reminded me of those things in my own life. And so so here we got. Let's go back to the wise men. Yep. They got back out on the main road. They're on the interstate now. Yeah. And then with pinpoint <laughs> direction. Yeah. They didn't have to go to Bethlehem and ask where is who has been born. You're right. You don't have to ask questions. Yeah. I don't need to ask you. I don't need to ask anybody else. You don't need to ask me. When Holy Spirit's already giving you pinpoint precise directions. Yeah. And it says, and they followed the star mm-hmm. to the location and it came into a house. Mm-hmm. Okay. The house back mm-hmm. in Nazareth. Not, not, <laughs> not in Bethlehem. Yeah. Not in Bethlehem. Back in Nazareth right. because it says they went into a house. Yeah. And it says a child. Mm-hmm. And that word child is not referring to an infant. Mm-hmm. The definition of that word child refers to basically a toddler, mm-hmm. a child in training. Yeah. One who's being potty trained, one who's learning how to talk, one who's learning how to walk. Mm-hmm. And that's where how old Jesus was by the time they got there. Mm-hmm. And it didn't show where Joseph was there. 
you know, Joseph probably was at work, mm-hmm. you know, even though, as we'll talk about, you know, the wealth, but at the time before the wise men get there, Joseph got to go to work. Mm-hmm. So he went on back and pick up, okay, guys, this building project, do I still have to contract? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'd like to finish this job for you. Joseph, you've been gone for months. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, excuse me, this is before that. So this is before he went in there. But you've been gone for weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's probably at work. So meanwhile, they come in and it says here, and they saw the child and they fell down and worship him. Mm-hmm. Which literally means to kiss the ground. Mm-hmm. And they says they kept on doing it. Yeah. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah. Well, those were the three most common ones. Mm-hmm. You know, gold was obviously the commodity of the day. Yeah. Okay, the gold standard, so to speak. Yeah. Frankincense was very, as we talked about before, frankincense was so costly and everything. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was something that was used for temple worship. Kings are the only ones that really had frankincense unless it was in the temple. Yeah. Either a temple or a king's palace. That's about the only place you find it. Yeah. Okay, and then of course myrrh. Myrrh was more like we talked about, like the essential oils, as you know that your wife um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> sells, and that they had medicinal purposes. They were like an ointment. They were like the relief of a headache, but they were also used for embalming yeah. and everything. But there was more to it than that. Yeah. There was so much more to it. Okay, and we said that whenever you're talking about kings here, and we used uh, the example of the Queen of Sheba when she went to visit Solomon, mm-hmm. a king. The most important thing to a king was his reputation, mm-hmm. the magnitude of his status, his name. Mm-hmm. That's why it says, and I can easily get on a tangent here, that, that God does things for his namesake. Mm-hmm. That word namesake is the same thing as reputation. Mm-hmm. My reputation's on the line. My namesake, the, king, the most important thing to a king was his name. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, when a king visited another king, as Sheba did Solomon, She's going to try to show him up mm-hmm. with the magnitude and abundance of her gifts. Mm-hmm. But yet Solomon left her breathless. <laughs> and there's a reason that we could spend a whole <laughs> podcast on just why. And it had nothing to do with, with that, not only to do with his wealth. There's something more important than that. Right. Something he learned from his father, David, that we want to get into. But <clears throat> so these kings, when they go and visit another king, they come in with gifts. Yeah. Now, the, gift, the size of their gift and the magnitude of their gift was commensurate with the status of the king. Mm-hmm. If they were coming to the king of Hampton, okay, they would bring a certain level of gift. Yeah. If they were coming to the king of Columbia, they'd bring more, more. than what they would. If right. they were coming to the king of Washington, D.C., they would really bring a massive amount. Mm-hmm. It was dependent upon the status of the king, mm-hmm. how big of a king you were. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they didn't, they didn't give anything to Herod because he wasn't a rightful king. <laughs> that, that, that's, they bypassed that which, joker. Which would make him even mad. Exactly, <laughs> because, hey, you come and don't bear gifts. Yeah. You know, what's up with that? He got dissed big time. He really did. So they go and they show up here. <laughs> and it says here that back in those days when you studied, you know, early Christian writers and you studied the, the history, that for a low-level king, just the gold alone would have been about 110 kilos, which in today's economy would have been $5 million worth yeah. for a low-level king. Right. Then you got the frankincense and the myrrh and how rare it was, yeah. how far it took them to come from what yeah. Arabia to build, bring it in. Yeah. And, and they didn't have FedEx and, and UPS. No, yeah. no we, we complain about our shipping charges, but no, it cost a fortune to get it there. Yeah. It was so rare and it was so costly. Yeah. So they bring that, but chances are there were any and everything that that child would need. 
There were probably vases and urns and plates and mm -hmm. anything they could they had in the treasury of gold, anything that had any kind of value, anything in the treasury. So they were sitting there thinking, okay, it's a nine-month journey. we got to bring enough for a nine-month trip back. But if this is who we think it is because of the star, we, we're not leaving anything behind. Let's bring it all. Mm -hmm. Empty the treasury, caravan, load it up. Mm -hmm. How much should we bring? Empty the warehouse. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So they come and they bestow it upon him. And they just lavish it upon Jesus. Mm -hmm. Lavish it upon him. Now, keep that, now just think, if the low-level king would have gotten 110 kilos, which is in today's economy about a $5 million, imagine how much gold they gave to Jesus. Oh, man. It was enough to finance their plight into Egypt. Because mm -hmm. Joseph didn't have a work permit. Right. But God met the need. Yeah. He's at work. Getting back to work. He yeah. comes home from work. Honey, I'm home. Yeah. Oh, oh by the my way. goodness. Oh, by the way, while you were out. While uh, you were <laughs> out, we had some visitors. And let me tell you about it. I, you may be hungry. Yeah. But let me feed you because and take your time eating because I got a huge story to tell you. Yeah, right. I got to explain this massive amount of wealth they just left me. Man, that's crazy. It was enough to finance that plight into Egypt. Yeah. It was enough to be able to finance a good living for them. Yeah. Joseph, no doubt, probably still worked. But it was enough to uh, support Mary when Joseph died. Mm -hmm. It was enough to support Jesus' ministry. Mm -hmm. Because in Acts 10.38, it says how Jesus went about doing good. That phrase, doing good, is where we get our word philanthropy. So therefore, and Jesus had to have a treasure, and we don't ever see where he took up an offering, right. even though there were ladies who gave of their means. Right, and yeah. them giving of their means could have been cooking and preparing, or it could have been where they sold land and gave him the proceeds right. because they were contributing Right. You know, because he, he taught them on giving and everything. So right. they knew what it meant to give into the kingdom. So, but besides that, this, this financed Jesus' ministry. Mm -hmm. He never needed to take up an offering. Mm -hmm. When they went into, they see someone poor, they were able to bless them. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then beyond that, it's my understanding that Mary's great uncle, of course, when a woman, when a husband died, the woman, unless there was a brother, younger brother, older brother, uncle, some male to be able to come in and take charge of the household, mm -hmm. then the woman would become a burden to society. Mm -hmm. So who stepped in? Well, of course, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Jesus made, made arrangements on the cross, yeah. you know, to say, you know, John, behold your mother. Yeah. So he was taking care of her in her household mm -hmm. and everything. But still, who's managing whatever wealth was left? Yeah. Her great uncle was Joseph of Arimathea. Yeah. And Joseph of Arimathea was regarded as the wealthiest man, he's the one that immediately, without hesitation, asked for Jesus' body and put him in his own private tomb, which was probably, could very well be, paid with money left from the wise men. Yeah. Don't know for sure, right. but you got to go with the story here right. if it was that much wealth. Right. And the typical of any king was to bestow wealth upon another king to impress them, to whatever. But this was the king of the Jews. Mm -hmm. This was the long-awaited king. They're like, guys, we will never, ever, this may be our last visit to a king. Mm -hmm. We're getting up in age as it is. This may be it for us. We're not holding anything back. Yeah. We're going to lavish it upon this child because we have found the one because everything we see in the scriptures confirms this is the king of the Jews. Yeah. Don't, we, didn't, we had no doubts about it. When we got to Jerusalem, where we had no business to begin with, Mm -hmm. We had to ask, where is he? We know, we know he's been born. We said it with certainty. Where is he who has been born? Yeah. We know he's been born. Yeah. We're looking for him, but we're looking for him in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Now that we found him, everybody, unload the warehouse. Yeah. Lavish it upon him. Man, oh man. 
Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. How God provided for Joseph and God provided for Mary and God provided for Jesus. Yeah. Through the wise men, which goes to show you, yeah, we'll make detours. Mm -hmm. But when we get back on the right track, God still in his grace uses us to accomplish his divine plan. And listen, <laughs> the provision for Joseph was there all along. Yep. And it took a left turn and went a different direction. But it, when it got back out here, it got to the right place. Mm -hmm. and which really makes you think that in our life, the provision is there all along. But we're probably not going to see it in, to come to fruition until we put ourselves in the right position. When was the provision made available? The provision was made available the moment Mary said in response to no that's, word right. that's true. shall come to you without the ability built in to perform it. Mm -hmm. And she said, I receive that. Right. Be it unto me according to your word. The moment she said that, the provision was on its way. Yeah. Ain't that amazing? And the vision was on its way. From that moment, it's like, okay, fulfillment of scripture is about to take place. Yeah. A stars go show up. Wise men are going to see it. Yeah. While they're on the way, you're going to have this baby. Yeah. And when they come... In response to your commitment yeah. to say, hey, I will receive the word because I trust you. That is, that is some really, really good stuff. And uh, I think we will end this podcast right here, but we're going to come back with one more, I do believe. here. And uh, so I pray that you guys will stick around with us and join us on our next episode. So it'll be our last episode. And uh, hopefully you've, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I heard the other day, I shared it on uh, this previous Sunday morning here in church, uh, was that a lot of people, what we're doing here is meat. This is meat, mm -hmm. in my opinion. This is not the milk. This is the meat. And uh, that pastor that I heard sometime back and said somebody was complaining to me about their, their pastor was not giving them the meat and all this stuff. And he said, well, you know, it's not your pastor's job to give you the meat. It's it's your pastor's job to give you the milk and you go hunt for the meat. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I pray that everybody that's listening is is really getting the meat. Well, that's what waiting on the Lord means. Yes. Waiting, that word wait actually means to hunt. Yep. As in you're hunting. You're waiting on a deer. There's people in the woods right now or about to get out of the woods right now. Right. They, they, they're waiting on a deer. Yeah. They're hunting. They're hunting. They're tracking it down. Yeah. And that's what we do. When we wait on the Lord, we're tracking down that revelation because we're in the Word just like Mary was. So I pray that's the case for a lot of folks that are Amen. listening. So, so thank you for uh, this one. Let's jump into the next one here, and uh, hopefully you'll join us for that. Thanks again for joining us for today's podcast. You can find out more about us at lhchampton.com. See you soon. Thank you.